melody is the one of the most important things in music, but I feel that no one thinks about it objectively. I certainly don't, and I feel a lot of my melodies are really mid. And I, f I spend a, a ton of time redoing melodies, and I know a ton of other people spend a ton of time redoing melodies and trying to make it better. So we decided to reach out to a pro, a melody pro, to talk about melodies. So we're going to talk shop with our new friend Logan and hopefully help you make use of yet another very important tool in the Tune Shed. Hey everybody, welcome to the Tune Shed, the workshop for everything music from history, theory, creative process, production, you name it. We're here to become better music listeners, better creators, and better music lovers. I'm your host, Mick Blurry, and I'm here with my dear childhood friend and professional musician, Marty Gray, and also our new friend, Logan Gramey. What's up, guys? What up? Hey! Welcome, Logan. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah. Well, I mean, Melodies, where to kick this off, I guess. I found you on TikTok and your amazing storytelling and talking about Melodies while scribbling on a pad, and I... <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious because as you scribble, I'm like so fascinated with what you're saying, and somehow that catches my attention too. And yeah, I'm just, I'm glad you're making time for this. I'm excited to hang out. Thanks. Yeah. You know, something that's interesting with that concept right there, right? And I didn't realize this until somebody had pointed this out to me is that that was just me being ADD and like scribbling on stuff while talking. And someone in, which we'll talk about later, but like uh, someone said, oh, that's a visual underlick, uh, which is a word that I made up. And, um, and, and I was like, no, oh, no, I'm just messing around on camera. But it turns out that the concept of talking to somebody, right? I'm looking at you guys right now. If I'm talking and then I take these keys and I start talking at the same time, you're focusing on what I'm saying and you're like, oh, there's something also happening at the same time, but I don't need to necessarily pay attention to this. Eventually, it'll just sort of tune it out. And that's the same exact way that melodies work, right? You can still listen to one thing and focus in on it while something else is happening at the same time. And that's sort of a visual way of representing that. Well, I'm I'm hooked already because I I didn't I didn't, <laughs> I had no idea how to conceptualize that in my mind because I I know that you're good at storytelling because you talk about storytelling and how melodies capture you how they become mem memorable and I was learning those things from your videos and then just I was watching your hand just scribble in a circle <laughs> and just like listen to you as you said that so that's that's cool visual under like that's nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's yeah I mean. M melody and uh i mean yeah i mean melody's the the biggest one i think that is the uh it's just it's not it's not like a physical thing it's just like your awareness on something it's yeah. just a, it's like you can't you can't see songs until you see people come together and sing songs yeah totally and that kind of goes back to your point that you're making in the beginning marty like how it's it kind of feels intangible like when i write melodies personally i just sit down and just go and tell something is like right and I don't really have a way to think about it. Um, and maybe that's what the sort of tools that you kind of get at are, like ways to sort of conceptualize and start that process and, you know, have something a little bit more foundational than just, I'm going to find something that I know is good. Because I think we all can hear a melody and say, that's a catchy melody. And we can all hear yeah. a melody and be like, that's a good melody. And that one is a little crazy and I can't remember it. But like, what are the elements that make it that way? It's a great, it's a, it's a great statement that you stated and it is that's what's so funny about that is that because you can recognize it as a listener you can recognize it as a creator like the trick is 
to be the listener and lover of the thing as fast as possible. Like, how do you be, how do you do that as quickly as possible from idea to, oh, I'm just a lover of the, uh, oh, that's catchy, right? Why, why is there a gap right there? When you can recognize it in somebody else's music, but then it can be trickier to understand when that's happening in your own music. I think I understand that now, but there's been many times where I didn't know what the hell I was listening to. I'm just like, this just sounds cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel that a lot of people who try and write music, especially for their own voice, they uh, we get stuck in these sort of like mid melody patterns, and uh, I think it it goes back to the way that people sort of think about melody, or the way that people try and go about the the, the philosophy of writing one. Like the way that most people write a melody for a vocal is by listening to the song and being like sort of humming it to themselves. This would be kind of cool. And then it's just sort of develops from there. And it can feel very like like a phantom, like you're chasing a phantom almost. Definitely. And I can say too, not, not being a good singer, that there's plenty of melodies that are good and still in my limited range that I sing. And I'm like, I love this. And then I go to write a melody and I'm a lot less comfortable exploring with my own voice. So I'll try it on the piano, but then I'm kind of not comfortable translating between the piano. So all, all these other lenses are on that keeps me away from what you were saying, Logan, is like, oh, that's a melody that's really good. And I found it and there it is. Let's just start loving it, start remembering it, all those other aspects. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's, I think the way that music is taught right now and has been for a very long time is very fascinating and very, um, no, I want to say backwards. I think it's I think it's really incredible to watch someone play an instrument that's really prolific at it. However, when it comes to playing an instrument, people are taught just to get better and better at playing the instrument. Let's play faster. Let's play more time. Let's play in different scales on a piano. Right? That's that's to be able just to change keys automatically. That takes a lot of skill to be able to learn how to do that. And so there's a lot of things that are taught on instruments that don't help one further their ability to resonate with humans. And what humans resonate with is things that they can sing within their own consciousness and their brain, right? Melody is just an organization of vibrations. That's why melodies can be recognized if they're pitched up or pitched down or they're sped up or slowed down, right? That's what the comp the composition works this way, that way, because it's the organization of the notes. It's the organization, it's the rhythm, and it's the literally the frequencies in relationship to one another. It's not the frequencies as their own, it's the frequencies in relationship to the other frequencies. And so that's why it is a universal language. That is why it is the most unifying thing that exists on earth. There is nothing more than that because it transcends language because people in different languages can sing along. You don't, you can be like two years old or 120 years old. And, um, and when it comes to instruments, it is not even, it doesn't, it would appear to me that it is not even taught. And I've, and I've, you know, I went to school for not for, I went to, to college for, um, music production, and we took some. I took some music theory classes there, which were really awesome. Um, taught me a lot, and I have a lot of friends. I went to Berkeley, and you know that that type of thing. I know a lot of really great musicians that play, and I see how they are limited by their ability to play so well. Like Rick, they can play because they can play so much. It's difficult for them to 
do the thing that truly resonates with people because they are so technically skilled at the instrument. It's a, it's a, it's a catch 22. It's because it's like, you need someone to filter the ideas of someone that is very good at playing their instrument in order for it to resonate. Because if not, people just go ape shit. They just go nuts and just like, they, they, they want to throw all the notes. They want to do all the notes. The they got shredding, all the notes. Right? Let's, yeah, let's do all the notes. Let's play all these like crazy voicings and all that stuff. And that stuff's really awesome. I love that. However, it must be in service of the thing that resonates with all of humanity. If it does not, well, then it's for the musician. And that's cool too. No one says you can't do that. That's awesome. Yeah. However, that's different from what's going to resonate with people. And so like, you know, it's 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 pattern recognition. I'm a drummer, so like I've been playing drums since I was 12, and um, <laughs> we have three and drummers. So, <laughs> We're all drummers. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just hearing what you know. The drummer can't go wild. The drummer's got to the drummer's got to stay simple enough where people get like it's like you're not making space for everything else. But melodies really works the same way that a drum set works in many ways. There's yeah. melodic fills that you can add in, and I was yeah. gonna bring that up. Literally, I was gonna say I feel like I know a little bit about this because I'm a drummer and. The number one rule of drumming is don't overplay. Drummers, yeah. like every other member in the band, just says as long as you don't overplay. Or yeah, if you don't overplay and you got good feel, like that's awesome. But if you come and yeah. overplay, they're like, ah, we don't really want that. No one really wants yeah. that. Even I yeah. think drum solos are a little bit. They're not super yeah, you know, cool, you know. They you can never want be, to... but it's hard. It's so hard because no one wants to hear just shredding for ten minutes. So how do you how do you make it great? Yeah, you know, you never want a studio session that's like, hey, could you be just like less busy? Just <laughs> yeah. less busy. That's never something that's good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, well I think that's that's part of the reason why I love John Mayer so much and I respect him a lot. Because he is a very virtuosic guitar player and he is Berkeley educated. Yeah. And he knows how to shred and do all the jazz mm -hmm. stuff. Um but whenever he solos, it's the tastiest, most soulful, most pleasing thing to everyone. Yeah. And it's lovely. And he just has such great patience and like wherewithal to do that. Yeah, it's it's John Mayer is such an interesting case because he it's so funny, like his his path was like understanding and learning and like becoming really incredible at the craft, entering in through the pop realm and then revealing his actual ability in a technical sense on the guitar, like a couple out, like slowly but surely. I mean, it was sort of there from the beginning, but really starting to hear it with like John Mayer trio and stuff and sort of really hearing like this guy can play. I mean, now it's like, this dude can play so well. He's playing with the dead. And um, that was, that was taste, that was tastefully done. And also smart. I mean, he understands, he understands the difference and understands when to show it when the time is right and when not to do it. And he he's a great example of, of dancing the line, but knows, but he can go there. He needs to go there, he can go there. It's cool, because a lot of this even goes beyond melody where it's like, that's kind of one of the key parts of any music making, it's it's discernment, right? You're making decisions about when to put something in or not uh, and what to put in, right? And so it, it's kind of like overplaying is almost an oversimplification of it. There's all sorts of decision-making that's happening and. It's, it's all about being tasteful, whatever that ends up meaning. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like how to, yeah, how to be tasteful with that. I mean, I guess that's the individual's creative expression is being able to sort of do the thing that's, 
that that's that's universal and then to be expressive at the right moments and to pull back from that and i'm you know i'm always when i see a live show i'm always thinking about the arc of a show and how it's it's like how can you how can you reveal let it's like if everything comes out swinging out the gates if if the show starts at a nine well then a 10 isn't that far away so it's like how do we how do you do something that's incredible at a three so that the 10 can be at the end um right that's that story arc stuff yeah that really i mean i feel like stories are the other part of that universal language where we all kind of relate to that arc in some way yeah i've been thinking a lot about that lately just um uh and that, and this is an yeah i was thinking about it with this concept of moments versus shots uh someone like on social media was talking about this and that's usually something i don't hear those words next to each other and a, a moment being a thing that's captured like I, I watched this tiktok the other day of it was at a bar in london and there's like a cover band playing on stage and they're playing green day and someone comes, a man comes out of the audience and grabs the lead, the microphone, and starts singing into the microphone's basket case. And the singer is like, she's, she's like, what? Like, what the hell? It's like freaked out. It's Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day on the microphone, and he sings the entire song, and she's singing with him into the microphone. The whole entire place erupts. It's insane. It's a <laughs> moment. It's, it's a thing that you weren't there. It happened. It's a real moment. It didn't matter if there was a camera rolling or not, but the camera happened to be rolling and the camera happened to have captured it. And you happened to see that this thing happened and you weren't there. The closest you can come is, is watching us through this video uh, versus a shot is maybe a, you know, it's like a B-roll shot, something that you plan for that you can do. It's not the same experience. Like a moment is you know john mayer playing on stage and like he does this individual solo that happens on this one night the dead's a great example of this plays this one moment that happened and you had to be there and if you weren't you weren't and that's what makes it so special and that's where someone expressing themselves through their in instrument in that particular way is incredibly powerful because it's a one-off and it's like you're watching them speak through their instrument um which is its own magical thing distant to me than than like crafting a song like that that's that's meant to be listened to many times um that's different but it's also equally cool when you merge those things together you can get the best experience ever where you can sort of take something that foundationally works and then expand out of it into something that is of the moment and is like life-giving right then so yeah make make set your songs up to make moments right yeah. it's just a deeper level of connection what i'm hearing is that's a deeper level of connection i feel like not to get into the, you know, oh, technology, this, that, but it does feel like we're in a moment here where everyone's sort of seeking those types of kind of like rare connections or, or special things where they get to really feel something or connect to something. Yeah. Those are my favorite things at least. Yeah. Kind of brings me back to, real. brings me back to Umphreys McGee concerts. <laughs> it's like, a, <laughs> for those of you who don't know Umphreys McGee, they're, they're another jam band. Um, and the a, a, sort of a joke among fans is like, oh, you weren't at that show? Oh man, it was crazy. Like they did this thing. Ah, it's not even worth explaining. It's sort of the jam band who thing. Likes fish, you know, it's the same. Yeah, thing. of course, same thing. Yeah, there was just yeah. solo, man. Like the solo the guitar solo, and then like the blue lights. You, ah, it's just not even worth explaining, man. You just had to yeah. be there. <laughs> True story. Yeah, I, yeah. I've talked to three distinct fish heads. One in a bar one in a sauna and one on the street 
that were telling me about fish experiences and yeah all three of them at one point during their during telling me said it's it's not like it was religious but it was just kind of a religious experience. Like they all use that word religious at one point, yeah. um, but kind of like shamefully. They're like, <laughs> I didn't mean, yeah. it's like, no, you had a moment. You connect, like, you know, they pulled yeah. you in and they so made it feels so special though. It feels yeah. so incredibly special to know that it's never going to happen again. That That's it's right, happening yeah. in front of your face in real time yeah. and it's all just made up. I'm teasing, yeah. but it's epic. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, the band I've probably seen the most live is Dave Matthews' band. That's probably the band that I've seen more than any yeah. other band live. Wow. Strangely enough, you want to know my ex, my extremes? The band that I've seen, the two bands I've probably seen the most are Dave Matthews' band and Hanson. Huh. huh. Okay. That's... I'd say Blink-182 right under, probably right under that. Ooh. I would love to see yeah. Blink-182. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see Travis yeah. Barker. Yeah, walk that line between busy drumming and just punk drumming. <laughs> Dude, that <laughs> you know? Travis, Travis just definitely sometimes goes overboard with that for sure, and has for the last fifteen years or so. But well, somehow okay people love him for it. People yeah, we're him. all drummers, and we're like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> cool when he does it, and it's punk too. Yeah, it's punk. It punk yeah. You know, it's over the top. Yeah. Well, anyways, look. Was... <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I was listening to a, tra- I was listening to Travis Barker isolated drum track today in the car. Actually, it's like on YouTube. That's the last thing I was listening to. Um, someone had like pulled the, pulled the, um, it was like not the, re- it was the real thing, but it was like someone had isolated the drums yeah. from it, but I'll just turn that stuff. In my- it's like as close as I can get to hearing the drum stem from the song Anthem part two. I just wanted to hear the drum parts like one of my favorite drum parts ever. That, that sounds awesome. I've never thought about trying to find that, but. There are a number of parts that I would love to hear. Just you can do it with AI now pretty easily. You can just separate stems out. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Cool. That's 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 what that's how I learn a lot of stuff with music is listening to instrumentals of like big pop songs. I love mm. that. That's one of my favorite things to do because it's like once you once you can focus your attention on something, that's when you can really hear it. Like how how specific you're like, oh, it just keeps going simple here at once and you like so that's a great way to learn mm. love yeah, it. i like that a lot there's a lot of layers and i mean there's tons of songs where i'll just hear a part like five years later <laughs> i've heard the song you know a thousand times i was like oh my yeah. gosh there's a new part i never heard before and i love that experience just as an experiential part but for the study idea i, I really like the idea of you know essentially getting stems and listening to listening to the parts individual there, there's a great website that's um, I'll, I'll remember by the end of this. That's uh, that lets you listen to stems of 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 like records. They don't. I don't know how big their catalog is right now. Hmm. It's they have a couple of big bands on there, but they have them uploaded where you can literally. It's like a DAW on a website, and you can solo out everything and listen to the ind- and combine things together as if you're you know, in Pro Tools, but on the website. Last band, I think the biggest band I saw in there was probably Walk the Moon that had a couple songs on there. Mm. So that was cool. That's yeah. pretty sweet. That's cool. I've seen yeah. some versions with like samples and stuff too, where they show you the audio file and show you the different spots that all got sampled. And then they kind of put them together. Oh the yeah, beat. yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful thing Love to that. visualize. It's so cool. Oh yeah. It's a great learning yeah. tool. Uh, but yeah, Logan, so- I was going to say, I wanted to like, you know, I found you on TikTok. We've, we've been hanging out. We've been talking, but I wanted to learn just a little bit about your history 
you know, with music from as early as you can remember to today, like, how'd you, how'd you get into this stuff? And, uh, yeah, where, where'd you end up today? Well, my dad was a, um, my dad was a songwriter and really great songwriter back in the eighties, probably in the early eighties is when he started writing songs and he had a band and, um, he'd sort of write songs on the piano or on the bass or on the guitar and he'd bring them to the band. The band would bring them to life. My dad was sort of the ring leader of that and was the lead singer of that. And um, they were playing locally and selling out shows, nothing crazy, but they were really doing their thing. They had a recording studio in my grandparents' garage and had invested a bunch of money. Some of the stuff in this room is from that uh, space. This, there's a computer I have. Oh, it's under here. Um, that's from that from that time uh, one of the they were using you know they were doing midi on their um keyboards when midi came out in i think 1983 or so yeah. and 84 and yeah so i that my dad was like he was like a rock star dude um like straight up um he didn't have like a crazy live voice that you would like compare to like whatever um def leppard or something i don't know uh but he he was a really great songwriter that's what his thing was and um and so he was doing that. My sister was born in like 1984, I believe, 85, 84, 85. And then I was born in 87. And then my, bro my younger brother was born two years after me. And so around that time, my dad, you know, the, they, they were like partying and stuff. My dad had a trickier time with like drugs where like people would, you know, the, maybe the band would do a little bit and then they'd stop. My dad would go harder than everybody else. And he was also kind of an insane person, to be quite honest. Um, he was very sweet, super creative, mega creative dude, but he was also just hot tempered kind of guy. And so he, um, so the band sort of like faded away. Like they had a couple opportunities, the band sort of faded away. And my dad was, um, and he sort of, st I think he really needed the support of everybody in that band and the members, because he was he had a lot of members in the band. Like it, it kept growing and then shrinking and growing and stuff. And he's just trying new stuff, um, very modern technologies that they were sort of pulling off um, in their projects and in, in their recordings, which were multi-tracked recordings of their songs. I have um, tapes. I have like tons of these tapes yeah. right here on you know these reels of all the tapes, uh, all so multi-tracked cool. out. Uh, many. Um, many, many cassettes and um, all demos and stuff and just, you know, hundreds of lyrics um, from him. And but, but around the time that like I was born, they were doing music and then they sort of slowed down and they weren't really doing stuff anymore. And he sort of popping in, popping here. It seemed like it was sort of a this progression of where he was sort of just not making music anymore. We had all of our like music equipment in our home, in our garage. And but it's like, weird because my dad grew up. I grew up with knowing that my dad made music, but I, but he didn't really do music at home. I wouldn't see him really do it that much, but I knew that he did. And he had long hair. He's a short guy, but he had like long hair and was just like, never going to cut my hair. Like he's going to be a rock star till the end. And, but at the same time, his sort of like relationship with depression and drugs sort of got the best of him. And so he just wasn't doing his thing. He wasn't doing his, like his magic thing. And so he didn't he didn't really share a lot of music stuff with me by showing me things because he was really great at writing very good at writing melodies very good and he but he didn't share that with me because i think his relationship with music sort of became like 
a painful one. And I think he sort of committed himself that he, if he wasn't going to be super successful at doing music, um, like with a, you know, with his band, um, that he was not going to be happy. And then, and he was happy in his family, but he was also like pained by that, which I could imagine, right? Think about that. No internet. The way that you have to get big would have to be like the traditional way you get like signed to a big record label and do the whole old school thing. Um, and that just wasn't happening. He started a music publishing company, tried to do that, and that didn't happen because he saw the value of the songs. And um, and then I started getting interested in music, um, you know, early on where my dad would sort of buy CDs and bring them home of singles that I loved, like Eiffel 65 Blue or like Chumbawamba Tub Thumper or uh, some stuff from like the Men in Black soundtrack where I would just basically sit and listen to a song on repeat like a hundred times, like on my head, my headphones, just nonstop and just get really obsessive with specific songs off of records and or off of albums. And, and so ultimately when I was about 12, my dad brought home a new car, this like purple X Terra from Nissan. And he brought home, uh, there was two CDs in it. There was a Blink-182, Enema of the State, and there was uh, this band called Lit. Um, and, and, and I heard, I had known Blink-182 from watching them on MTV uh, of What's My Age Again when that song came out. I saw that and I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. I, I remember seeing like Mark Hoppus sing on the TV screen. Uh, I was living up in the, we were living up in the Bay Area in an area called Novato. And I remember seeing him on the screen watching that music video, but I wasn't, it wasn't fully connecting in with me. But then when I, I listened to that album and I heard the song, I listened, I think, to the whole album and listened, because that's what we would do then. We would like get the CD and listen to it all the way through. When I heard the song, All the Small Things, when I heard that song, I immediately began to create music. Like I basically heard that. And the second I heard that, I was like, I never heard anything like this before. And immediately I wanted to play the because dr the drum part in the song, like I, I was in. And so my dad had all these like drum pads and things from like his band and stuff. And I still have the drumsticks like in this room. And I just started like tapping on stuff and just hitting and playing along, really playing along to the songs because I just loved them so much and learning how to do that. And I sort of really learned to play the entire drum set before actually playing on a drum set. And so um, my, you know, sixth grade, my friends had a band and there was a drummer that was playing for multiple years and he had a drum set in the garage. So I'd go over and play on that drum kit. And I kind of got better than him pretty fast, mm -hmm. which was sort of a weird thing. And so there was a talent show that was going to happen and a Blink-182 song was going to be played, What's My Age Again? And, uh, and I replaced that drummer, but then we had band practice and the drummer didn't get the memo. He showed up and so we did two drummers at uh at the at the um which i'm gonna call at the talent show and i have that on video and so after that it was just we were just like a basically a blink 182 cover band like to the max and then we started doing our own songs me and close friends of mine started writing our own songs you know guitar bass and drums type of deal in the garage just you know my dad would help build like studios for us with like carpet and get the whole thing dialed in and filled with all of his equipment and so but he wasn't like we weren't like making stuff together. He was just sort of like allowing that. So we'd go in like the dumpster and grab these giant carpet and then build the, sp he'd, I'd help him build the space. And so that the sound was a little bit like more tight. And so did that. And, and then when my, when I was 16, um, my dad randomly went out one night and uh, after he was like at my grandparents' house in Lake Tahoe and he came home, he was at a wedding with my mom and my dad went out one night 
and he never came back. He basically entered up and somehow ended in this situation with police where my dad was actually like beaten to death by police in this like really crazy um sort of confusing situation where there's this huge lawsuit and it was like like really crazy and um and so you know when that happened i just kept making music like i kept diving into music and making music with friends and recording because i had my dad's equipment around and so i learned to sort of like use tapes and computers and stuff using audacity and cool edit pro and the garage band and all these different softwares um through high school and all through high school, so I was recording bands, playing live shows. I entered, you know, I was in this band and this band, different bands, instrumental prog, you know, sort of like metal-esque bands, and then like pop punk and doing these different things. And that led me to being, uh, just getting really into the recording and engineering of things and sort of producing at the same time, more so being like drummer slash arranger slash seer thrower of things and live performing on the drums. And so I ultimately went to college for doing uh it was called sound arts which was um like basically like audio engineering and sort of like production and stuff out in emeryville at a place called expression which was a it was a two-year program but i was working at the apple store at the same time so it was a four-year program for me like straight through no summers uh but you could use the studios there on basically if you could sort of like get into the system you could book the studios in unlimited quantity by using other students hours and so that's what i would do is i would take all the students hours and i would add my hours i'd get their hours so that i could just go in the studios and these were like multi-million dollar studios with like big consoles and they were like really well set up and so i learned a lot by doing that and then through at college i met my buddy skyler uh, and we started a band it was i was sort of joined his band and then sort of created our own band we were like playing it like a heavy rock band and he was the singer songwriter and that eventually we moved in with each other after college we graduated and i went to um um i was we were living together and we but we wanted to try something different and so we started to use the computer to to create things um using actual sounds off of the computer and that was awesome and we had played in so many like bands live and didn't see success with that so we're like like we want to do stuff, but we we don't want to do this tr traditional way. And this is 2010, right? This is like 2010. We're like, we don't want to do it the traditional way. So like, let's build an audience before we play a live show. So the audience is waiting for us and we'll use the internet to do that. And I, and I also mentioned through all this, when I started making music, I also started making movies and, and directing mm. um, stuff at the same time, uh, music videos and just creations of, of all types. And so, um, we did uh we were playing our band and we like made made music videos and and we released some stuff and our band really started to take off and so we were like it was when blogs for music were like re really big so we were on blogs all over the world and we got signed to a record deal and toured all over the country and we got a manager our first show was sold out to like multiple hundreds of people so it's like stuff was really happening and which was crazy for us um but our manager got sick with cancer right in the middle when we got signed and he passed away which is crazy and so we got left in this situation where we we're on this label and we were just really trying to like satisfy the label we got this big advance and we spent all the money and we're like trying to like satisfy them and it's a big pain in the butt that typical story with with um getting locked up in a situation like that and so like for many many years i just kept grinding away and just understanding we because we were always were you know trying to make music that would really resonate on a very high level with people um in a i don't want to say even a pop sense but just you know music that like 
lives within you and you can sing. And we made a lot of music that, that does do that. And, you know, we have uh, connected with a lot of people with our music and play a lot of amazing shows in front of like thousands of people. And that's really been amazing. And eventually moved down to LA 2017, but, um, but we decided to let's like keep going with it. And we, you know, got a different manager. We did all these different things, just kept like learning and learning and trying and just going and going. And we put out uh, in, in during the pandemic, we like really got to our, like our peak of creating things. Like we were like, became the most efficient version of ourselves. We're making our music videos, we're doing all, all the stuff. And uh, we did that, we released an EP, but it, it just didn't, it didn't get the exposure. This is like right, maybe the beginning of TikTok. It didn't get the full exposure that we thought it was going to. And so we were really faced with like, do we want to make music? Do we, like, if we're going to do this, like we put all our eggs in the basket of like the band's going to make it. But we're like, if the band's going to make it, like we have to be okay with it, like taking the path that it needs to take. And so we decided to sort of do our own thing for like a little bit and see what that was like. And when that happened, we, I started doing, had this idea to sort of like, re, you know, making stuff on my own. When you're in a band with somebody else, it can be tricky as far as both people equally expressing themselves or whatever that, that is. Right. Yeah. And so, and so that was something tricky with social media because Instagram, like our first band photos in 2010 was when Instagram came out. So we took our first band photos and filtered them using Instagram filters. That's how we did it. Cause yeah. we didn't even know that Instagram was a sharing app. We didn't even know that that's how it worked. And so that's how we, I was just, Oh, it's like a filter app. Um, that's how, when we started. And so we, um, I've just, you know, I just decided, I like just learned a lot about, music of things that I saw that weren't taught that I knew were very valuable things that I know are not taught because I know that they are magical secrets of the universe of that people use. And I started to figure out how to just write songs with people that I really loved and was able to do it every single time. And I, it took just many years of sort of focusing on that and also listening to my dad's music because my dad's music does a lot of this stuff. And, and I listened to it in my head for many years and hadn't cracked open those records. And so I cracked open those records and got them transferred and decided to like, re I want to eventually I'm going to release those songs as modern productions of those. And I've had ideas about how to create interactive songs where you can sort of change the singer or the music production in real time. And how do you crowdsource, um, how do you crowdsource music production so that you can allow the song to be the focal point of what's being done and allow um, the song to be appreciated because all, and this is crazy because all this is happening right now, like, you know, in, in the world, but there's a lot of ideas I've had for the last handful of years of building this project to do, to showcase songs through not being so rigid about, oh, it's the artist, right? And there's been so much stuff with like the, the artist thing, the artist thing. And I'm like, I'd rather build a thing that's like a non, not focused on the person and more focused on the song and helping people become better songwriters and stuff. And so, I'm sort of trying, uh, so that's where I, that leads me to now, which is helping people in their songwriting as sort of a, uh, as sort of a um, building like a, a business slash whatever, I hate the word education, but educational thing, but it's also actually tied to creating music because I feel like that hasn't been done before in a cool way to me, where it's always like there's education, people teaching things that I'm not interested in. And then there's artistry, which is not about helping anybody get better at their music. And I'm like, there, there has to be a way to bridge those things. Nobody's done that. Maybe I could do that. And so now here we are. 
And I have and I have a I have a wife and uh and a two year old and a, another baby on the way. So um, I just basically have like committed to like whatever way that I can be of service to the future of people when it comes to either creating songs and also just giving tools to people to write the songs because I think the songs will be the most valuable thing that is not even being talked about right now with AI and everything. Um, but it is the throughput. It is the throughput because now, now that singers will be basically like a plug-in, the thing that matters the most are the songs. And so, that's my that's sort of where I stand. Yeah. That is an, that's incredible, an incredible story. <laughs> my gosh, and it's like it's the, the one thing that's clear to me is it's like that's your journey, like that's embedded in your life. Like that's that's what I'm hearing is you know this is your focus, and it's taking all these turns, and it's yeah, it's just cool to see someone so dedicated to that just you know by the way that your life went it's amazing thanks dude yeah it's cool it is uh i know the time's running out but it's um it's uh i like to look at it i like to look at it as a and we can talk about that as far as what i see the future of music being which i think is something that's a lot bigger than sort of um yeah, I definitely feel like I was put on Earth for a very specific. I mean, it's it's like a specific non-discovery experience of sort of unifying people through songs um, with technology specifically. And I just think that, that I think that's just what we're here to do is to sort of like unify people through songs. I think that's like that's to me that's the obvious inevitable of what people need to figure out. And so the music industry is sort of been more divisive and like sort of like own trying to own things but that's about to that's about to explode right now and i'm very excited to watch that <laughs> yep. oh my gosh i have a very similar spiel about about that cool thing. yeah about like copyright and ownership and i yeah, can't maybe... wait i can't wait for it to crumble it's gonna be really fun to see <laughs> i'm with you i'm very with you well here's a here's what we'll do we're, we're gonna hang up and restart and okay. and uh part the second half of this part two, we have to talk AI ownership songs and the future of music. And then we got to get our hands dirty and do a little bit of uh, melody writing ourselves, melody critiquing and those types of things. Yeah. Sound good? Yes, sir. Sweet. All right. Till next time, everybody. Much love.